Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on, guys? I got a special guest today. He was able to retire by the age of 32 through real estate and his cellular business. And then two years after, he decides to start Sloan Capital, which makes investments in real estate, ventures, and a lot more, which we're going to hear about. I want to welcome Justin Sloan. Justin, how are you doing today? What's going on, my friend? How are you? Good, good. We're, we're excited to have you on here. So for you, I'm really interested in this. You start the cellular bit. It's talks about it on Sloan Capital website, how you started the cellular business at 20. What was the driver there? Were you in college? Were you just graduate? Like, what was the going through your head where you're like, I'm going to take all my money and go start this, uh, start this business? What, what was the thought process there? Yeah. So I, I learned kind of at an early age, the love of commission, right? The harder you work, the more you can make. And so when I started in cell phones, uh, I was just short of being 18 uh, to the point where they wouldn't hire me because I wasn't 18. They had an entire company rule that they wouldn't hire anyone unless you're 18. I was two months away from being 18. I literally made the head of HR sit down in a meeting with me and told them like, hey, you need to hire me. It's only two months. Who cares? I'll be your top salesperson, like just guaranteed. And so that's what I did. The first year that I started there, I was the top salesperson. I literally had just turned 18. I want a free trip to Cancun. And then the next year, I'm over one store. And by 20, I was over two of their stores. And uh, from there, uh, I kind of had capped out my position. And I knew from an early age that, you know, to go full district manager and regional and all this kind of stuff was going to require a lot more experience than I had. But I didn't really want to put in that experience, as bad as that sounds. Uh, I knew I knew the cell phone game. I knew exactly where we could put more stores, exactly how to grow it, exactly how to sell stuff. And so I did. I took every penny that I had uh, and I opened my first retail store uh, at the age of 20. And I worked open to close seven days a week until I was able to pay myself back and hire my first employee. And then from there, uh, you know, we opened another location, which was four hours away. Uh, and I used to wake up at five in the morning and drive to that store and we'd get there about nine or nine 30 in the morning and I'd work it till 10 PM or 9 PM. Uh, and then I would go sleep in a one bedroom apartment with a blow up air mattress and a box TV. And I'd wake up and I work open to close again and I drive four hours home and I did that for years. And then we, and we built a, a pretty large business out of it, uh, to the point where we were in, you know, all over uh, a couple different States and had a lot of locations and, 
it got fun. And then from there, we, you know, started diversifying so, into some other stuff. Yeah. Wow. First of all, wow. <laughs> For you. <laughs> no, because it's incredible. You say it. It's like, it's my life. I was 20 years old. Most 20 year olds are chasing girls, drinking, like doing all of that stuff. What gave you the foresight and even the risk tolerance to go, I'm going all in on this. I'm going to work this. I'm going to make it work no matter what. Like that is something that's really astonishing to me. It's awesome. Yeah. So I have no idea. Like I would be so, I would love to say like it was this one thing that clicked, but I would say like, I did have a really good understanding of compound interest at a really young age. Um, I was fortunate that I had a high school economics teacher and I realized like right now even talk about having a high school economics teacher and most kids are like, what? Um, And that kills me because I had a teacher that you spent time, you know, you learned how to balance a checkbook. We would do fun things in class. Like you would try two different kinds of cereal and say which one that you like better. And he would go through and explain one of them was name brand and one of them's not right. So as a 17, 18 year old kid, you start learning that marketing is selling you stuff and, and all this. And so those little details and those little exercises then um, just caught my interest. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I paying $2 more for this? because it has a logo on it. And so when you start breaking down those kind of things, and then I realized, wait a minute, like I'm just being sold this big bag of BS from these companies. <laughs> and then you start, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest because the financial thing that everyone is taught, which is put a few percent of you in your 401k for the rest of your life. And hopefully the market is good for your eternity. Like that's a lie. And so when you start realizing that the financial you know, freedom that everyone talks about isn't really freedom. It makes you go in and realize, hey, I need to do things different if I want to have different results. And so one of the things that I think is just astronomical is when you're early starting, it's a really slow grind, right? You know, you're saving 50 bucks here and 100 bucks here and 50 bucks here. And you, you need to get a good amount of dollars working so that they can start compounding. And those first few years are tough. But what happens if you leave, if you live really under your means, those first few years, you can actually build quite a big nest egg. And so that's what I decided to do. Rather than go out for dinner every single night and go out with friends, I just worked. Because rather than go spend yeah. 100 bucks, I made 100 bucks. And so all of a sudden, I was 200 bucks ahead of everybody else. You do that every single week, then it doesn't take long before that compounds and that compounds. And then, you know, I mean, we got to a point where we're buying a house every single month and this, and it just scaled like crazy for no reason other than you let it just play its course. And, and, you know, if you buy, if you buy something and then it's an expense as well, you have to raise your income forever. Whereas if you, if you take the money that you have and invest into things, you can raise your lifestyle accordingly without actually having to go work more. Yeah, I, I could tell you love uh, financial literacy. And I was smiling during all this because <laughs> I saw your excitement, but it's also because I realized that as well. Like when I, I'll tell you a little story real quick, but when I was younger, I realized about Oreos that are like $3.50. And then there's Awesome O's that are $1.50. And my mom would not eat Awesome O's. Like she loved the Oreos. So I bought Awesome O's one time, just put them in there. She ate it, told her they were Awesome O's. She threw them out. And I go, it tastes, it's the same thing though. So when you said that name brand thing, it really hit me. So for you, you're building out your business. I love those thoughts of living 
elaborate on what living below your means is and then also let the people know when did you have the foresight that your business was doing well enough that you were able to make that jump to I'm going to look into real estate. I'm going to look into alternative investment vehicles. Yeah. So I, I want to, I'm, I'm going to give a retrospective view because in the middle of it, I wasn't this smart. Okay. I had to make a lot of changes because the cell phone business that I partnered with was a regional company. And so after owning that business for about seven years, their technology started getting really delayed right? All the other carriers were launching LTE, they were launching iPhones, they were launching many things. We were three, six, 12, 18 months delayed on a lot of these, which was really hurting the core business. And yes. so the, the, the actual progression was open crazy retail store, as many as we could, hire more people, dollars were coming in. And then one day it was like brick wall. You know, yeah. And so the competitive edge that we had as this business, which was this low price regional carrier, people started wanting higher technology, which we weren't able to do. And so it was at that point where I said, hey, I don't want to open any more retail stores at this time. So we're going to pause the growth of that, but we still have a good business. So how do I find other things to invest in rather than just go spend the money, right? And so I, I started researching everything. I was on every franchise website. I was every everywhere. And I was in uh, um, Philadelphia talking with my cousin's husband. And he said, well, why don't you get into real estate? And I said, dude, I still have a great business. I don't have time to, to manage and deal with real estate. He said, well, hire uh, a property manager. And I was so naive. Uh, I was probably I don't know, 25, 26, 27, okay. somewhere in there. Okay. I mean, look, mid mid twenties or whatever. Yeah. So, so keep in mind, like right out of the gate, cell phones was popping. And it was like, we were working at McDonald's. People walk in, I'll take a, this phone, this plan, this, whatever, boom, next, boom, next. And you know, we would sell 50, hundred lines per person per month would just crank through these and make hundreds of dollars per line. So you can imagine we had great revenue and I did the thing, you know, I lived the expensive life. I built the big house. I did all of this. And then as the business was really starting to scale, boom, technology was just not there. The stuff that we were selling wasn't operating the way it was supposed to because our towers hadn't been upgraded yet. And so we had to make that switch into something else. And real estate just clicked with me. It was dollars and cents. It was something that I could do as a second type of thing. And I could layer it on top of what I was doing. Uh, and so we did. I mean, the first thing that I, I did, I flew back to town. I, I Googled every property manager in my town. I, I went and I met with all of them. And I was like, what does this look like? And, and from there, they told me what it looks like and what kind of properties to look for. And I found one that I liked and that be, kind of became a mentor. And we started buying a good amount of properties and they ran everything. And if I had a day or two free, I'd go see some more properties or go do this. And we just, I, I made it so that if, if all of a sudden cell phones were gone, I didn't care. Um, it, I, there was another business there that made it diversified. And when you get to that point, like that's where you can get having a lot of fun, right? When you get to the point where you have lots of different businesses that all pay, now you can stop thinking short-term with them and start thinking long-term because short-term, if one's not working perfectly, okay, how do we make it rebound completely? Because I don't have to, I'm not in a pickle because I have these other sources of income right now. And so we just kept scaling and kept scaling and living under the means making sure that we're diversifying and continuing to invest in other things. And then from there, it turned into businesses and now into other opportunities. And who knows where it goes from here? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely amazing because 
you get to sit there and you get the whole perspective of, I don't have all my eggs in one basket. And that basket used to be the cellular business. Then you diversify into real estate. So when you were going into real estate, how many houses were you getting? Like, do you know how many were the first year? Like, how was that growth trajectory on that end while the cellular business was kind of slowing down? Yeah. So I started, the first thing that I bought was two little fourplexes. Okay. Now I live, uh, I'm based out of a small Midwest town. I realize I do business kind of all over the country, but the town of ends 250,000 people, three bed, one bath slab homes I could buy for 90 grand a piece back then. Oh, wow. And we could flip them and put 10 grand into it and rent them all day long. And so, you know, we started with these fourplexes and then it was like buy a house and 90 days later, buy a house and 90 days later, buy a little house because I could put 10 or 15 grand down on them cash flow 300 bucks a month, have somebody else that managed the entire thing. And it was just like, boom, next, you know? And so we created this system. Um, and then from there, so I, at one point I bought a strip mall that I was located in with one of my cell phone stores. So now all of a sudden I'm paying myself rent, which was basically equivalent to the cash flow on that strip mall. Boom. Now that retail store is free. That makes that, you know, so it's again, that layering process sell three houses, buy another strip mall. Now I own things like Dollar Generals and, you know, restaurants and big apartment, you know, things with 15, 20 year leases on it. So we stagger things over longer periods of time now, but it all starts with that one house, right? That one small going and doing it, then sitting back. And what's crazy is over the, the last many years, I've mentored lots of people. I've made lots of people millionaires. The only difference with the people that crush it and those that don't are those that are fine with delayed gratification. You know, I can't tell you the amount of time I teach somebody how to buy a rental house or two. They buy the rental house or two and they go lease the $700 car. Well, all that work that they did makes it so that, you know, 37 minutes every day, you get to sit somewhere nicer. But what would happen if you took that 700 bucks a month, put it in a savings account. Now, every two years, you can buy another house. And another house. And when you do that over a long period of time, all of a sudden the income makes it so that you can increase your lifestyle and still live under your means, right? If for every yeah. 300 you make, you raise your lifestyle by a hundred bucks. Now you're sitting there thinking, how do I go make more money rather than how do I go spend more money? And it, get, it gets a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's so much work to begin with and it's so underappreciated. But when you really understand the math behind it, it, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense not to like, why in the world would you not spend a few years to build up the nest egg one time at a younger age? So you never have to do it again. Because I mean, when you look at national um, net worth of people and, and where people are retiring and all of this, it should scare people. We should be legitimately worried that we're not on a path that actually equals what we think we're headed towards. And anybody can do this. You can get onto moneychimp.com, type in how much you have right now, how much interest you think you're going to make on that money, how much you're going to contribute every year and what, what year you plan on retiring. And if you do that and it's not the number you want, now you have to start understanding what moves those numbers. And the biggest thing that moves those numbers is getting to dollars to work early. Yeah, you know, I've got a five thousand dollar net worth at twenty five, and I'm all and I'm putting a hundred dollars a month in. Cool, my net worth goes up by two percent every month, right? That's great. But what happens if you cut out the extra eating, maybe take a le less trip, drive a cheaper car, rent out a room to a buddy, 
whatever that might mean. Now, all of a sudden, my net worth could go up by 20% a month. 20, so every single month, I could be going up the amount of a year early on. And you can literally skip a decade by making good decisions as a 25-year-old compared to doing the same thing everybody else does, which is put the little bit away and then wait until you know 35 and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I got 20 grand. Or you could just crush it at 25, get that 25, 30, 50 grand, and then just let there and sit and compound. Man, it's all time, right? And if we have time, you don't have to be a genius. You just got to get it to work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love your conviction about it because this is something I've realized early on that it's not cool to be broke. Like, it's not cool to be flashy. It's not cool to be any of those things. Those are all like, dude, you can go drive that $1,000 car. You can drive it. I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. Throw it yeah. away. Well, it's a, it's, um, a it's a mental IQ thing, right? When you're yeah. 20 years old, you think everybody around you cares about everything that you do. Right. So the car that you drive matters not only to you, but it matters to everybody. The clothes that you wear, the trips that you go on, the girl, the, whatever it is, you think that everybody's paying super close attention to your every move. You start talking to people that are 40 and 50 and they're like, hey, you know, do what you want. If, if it's something that's important to you, go do that. And then you go talk to 78 years like nobody ever cared. Nobody ever cared about anything you were doing the whole time. And that is so real. So if you're making financial decisions with the intent of pleasing others, just know that it's costing your future self. And I promise you, when you start talking to the older generation, they'll tell you, nobody cares about what car you drove when you're 26. You're going to have a couple pictures of it somewhere. And then it's going to be like car number, whatever, when you get further in life. But the, the consequences from driving that car at 26 can be something that pay off, right? That 600 bucks a month that you're wasting, if you put that 600 bucks into an investment and did that consistently for a period of time, now all of a sudden you can drive whatever car you want for free. Like, yeah, I have multiple yeah. vehicles. Guess what? They're all paid. Off. Like, I don't even think about it because they're paid for from business income. That is money I worked for one time, put into something. I get I clip coupons for, you know, till Jesus comes back. And that's all there is to it. And it pays for the lifestyle. It's great. Yeah. And that that's the thing. It's the investment in yourself early on to say, I trust myself. I'm going to make this happen. We're going to work on this. And this is the objective, the way it's going to go. So that by the time you get to a certain age, you can go, I'm good. Yeah. And you don't have to earn extreme amounts of money to make this happen. It's just the consistency, the action. You can do this with $1,000. You can do it with $100,000. You can do it with a million dollars. You can do it with whatever you want, but it's all got to start somewhere. So you start buying these houses and then you're living below your means. And when did you realize that you're like, I'm good. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. I can chill. Yeah. So as the cell phone business continued to get a little tight, you know, margins got tighter, different things happened. And the technology of that company was still just way far behind. So the writing was kind of on the wall that I had a period of time, which I could either sell or exit or something. And so I began, uh, I was down to my kind of final handful of stores. And so I began the plan of what that looks like to exit them. So as leases would come up, good to go. Um, I gave some stores, just gave them back to corporate um, or, but in some situations, like I owned the building. So I would give them the retail store for nothing in return for a three to five year lease back of a few thousand bucks a month. 
So what I did was I you know, took a business that to me wasn't worth all that much, but I guaranteed myself income from it for years to come and guaranteed that my strip mall would be full, even with me not being there. And so I just started making the plan and literally on a day and like, I don't know, it was five years ago, I put my final, I, I, the last month of the final retail store, I worked the entire store open to close for the last 30 days myself. And we wound down the business, you know, customers come in and buy a phone. I'd give them as many accessories as they wanted just because it was, you know, otherwise they're going in the trash or going back to wherever. And so we just wound it down to the point where the last few days there wasn't much in there. Everything, you know, we had some people come in and grab the cabinet, said, Hey, take them for free. And that was it. My plan was to live residual off my real estate at that point. I had built uh, a very nice portfolio and that's what I, for two years, that's what I did. I golfed 80 rounds a year. I traveled. I hung out and I hated it. <laughs> um, I, I really like my hobbies became my job. I talk like I talk to people all the time about like why you know you literally had complete freedom of time, but I was I did, um, but I wasn't doing the activities that were fun. Yeah, yeah, and that's always a fascinating thing because people get to that step where they're like, oh, I want the financial freedom, I want this, I want that, and then it's like, what do I do with my time? Where do I fill that? So for two years, you spent it golfing and just hanging out and that wasn't fulfilling you. So what was the next step for, for Justin to go, I got to make something happen. We got to do yeah, something so, here. So I do want to clarify. So during this time of chilling out, you know, we're still buying some real estate here and there. I'm still investing yeah. in some stuff, um, but it's all passive. And I was actually, I was on a golf course uh, playing in a member guest tournament and met somebody who had a local business here in town that had an, it was in the contact center space and they had a, a, a need to bring on some more clients and some bigger name clients. They were kind of, um, they had a single client that they were very heavy on who had started outsourcing some of their business overseas and they needed someone to kind of come in and help with that. It was an opportunity to potentially save or bring hundreds of jobs to our town and get to work on some cool projects. And so I did a small stint there uh, where I kind of headed up their sales. They made me VP of sales uh, and, you know, ended up signing a couple, you know, large fit fortune 50 companies for them and got them diversified. But it wasn't in something that I was super passionate about, right? It was business and yeah. it was growing business and signing deals. But that specific thing wasn't something that really um, lit my fire. And yeah. I, think it's, I think it was okay for me to say at that point, like, hey, this was, fun and it was good and I gained things from it and I was helped I helped the business that was geographically all over the place and learned some cool tools from that but um, interesting enough right after Christmas of 2019 I kind of sent my notice that said hey early next year I'll help you wind things down um, but I'm going to be done and then you know 90 days after that was COVID and so that's where things obviously got just crazy different with everything um and the, the shifts continue to happen and the shifts with business and what my, you know, what my goals were continue to shift through yeah. that and the opportunities happen too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, COVID was something that, I mean, that's how I created the podcast. That, that, Cause I, I, I knew that to reach people, they were going to have more time. They were going to be more available. So I was like, why not make it? So I don't have to travel to Justin. Justin doesn't have to travel to me. We don't have to try to, coordinate schedules it's just hey you got some time on the calendar perfect we can schedule a podcast absolutely um, yeah. so for you what were some of the opportunities that came amongst covid 
And what happened, because a lot of people, the reason I bring this up is because a lot of people, and still today, view it as a very negative thing and are struggling with it. And it's difficult to see that growth mindset. So I'd love for you to share on how you found growth in this. Yeah. Um, so again, because of the fact that I have my hands in lots of different things, it was okay for me to say real estate might not be great this year, right? For the last 11 years, been going straight up. But if I have one year that's not that great, okay. Or some other different you know, things that were invested in their businesses. And so the, the number one thing that I did in 2020, and I hate even saying this out loud, but it is what it is. I didn't let any of my tenants go out of business. That's it. Um, yeah. And I have dozens of tenants, businesses, huge businesses, single moms, and everything in between, right? And no matter what, I wasn't going to kick them out. I didn't tell them this. Um, I hate the fact that I'm even saying it right now, but this is this was my absolute business plan. I told my bankers this. I told everybody. I said, I don't care how much I lose in 2020. What I need is them in business in 2021. Yeah. And so I did. I lost six figures plus worth of rent. Um, I, you know, and I mean, a lot more than six figures. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. But I don't care because you know what? My properties are 99.7% full right now. And they have been all of 2021. I have one tiny... Uh, retail space that's a thousand square feet vacant in my entire portfolio. And I did so by finding these businesses. And when they're struggling, I didn't sit there and, and try and get every last little penny and walk them out because there's nobody to replace them. You know, if I've got a, a restaurant that's a mom and pop restaurant that's been there for 10 years and they've been grinding it out, why would I just kick these people to the curb? They pay me every month for years and years and years. And now there's a time where I need, like, where they need help. And I just turned my back and I just refused to do it. And so by doing that, it positioned me in a way better way than I ever realized because I've come out of COVID with a portfolio that's doing just as good and actually better. And for the people that did end up owing rent, guess what? We figured out ways to work it out otherwise, right? We can spread it over the next five years of your lease. Or if you renew, I'll give you a couple months for free or things like this, which then gave them runway to go be more successful in their business, which creates relationships where do you think any of these people are going to leave right now? Last year, when the worst possible thing in their entire business, their entire life, their entire everything happened, and we sat down, we had conversations like this. I would get involved in their books. We'd go to mini business school. Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you signed up for this? Hey, did you know that there's this program available? And all of a sudden, through that coaching they save their businesses, they save jobs, they save this, I save a tenant. And we get to go back to the way everybody wants it, which is being left alone, right? They want to be left alone for me. I want to be left like they want to just run their business. And so yeah. when, when these challenges happen, I think the easiest thing is to go way overreact and the world's crumbling in and all of this. But sometimes you just have to realize that if you're going to be into something for a really long period of time, there's going to be crazy ups and downs. And through that is where the opportunities are. The other opportunity yeah. for me and the realization for me last year was I'm too heavy real estate. Um, yeah. You know, for the last few years, we've been doing some venture investing into some different businesses and, you know, investing in like lots of different things. It could be crypto. It can be watches. It could be precious metals. It can be stocks, bonds. I love every single asset class, but real estate was by far my biggest asset class and by far the amount of money that I had spent the most. And so I started getting really serious about finding other things 
um, so that if COVID got a whole lot worse and they shut down everything for multiple years, how do I find other things that can provide some income that give runway, right? Whoever has runway wins. And yeah. so I wanted to find everything that I could to give myself more runway, more diversity, more opportunities, and do and just less in one basket. Uh, and so that's when I officially kind of formalized Sloan Capital. And you know, we've made a lot of investments into companies. And then through that, we found other people that also wanted to make investments into companies. And I have friend groups that, you know, for years have been saying, hey, how do we do a deal with you? How do I invest in real estate? So the same way that I started syndicating real estate deals where partners and I would go together and buy bigger properties, now we're starting to do that with, uh, with venture. And so like if I'm going to put 100 grand into something and four other of my friends want to put 25 in, why wouldn't we collectively just write a check for 200 and I'll be in it together. And now we can all support that company together. And rather than having one person that's rooting for them, they have five. And so this is where some of those syndications become fun. And when you get in those rooms with people that are all collectively growing and funding stuff and being part of helping companies grow and working together on stuff, man, it's, it's wild, the opportunities that are created there. Yeah. And so the first part I want to hit on is what you said about the tenants and about giving the tenants the opportunity uh, to kind of relinquish it. Because as I've spoken to different people across COVID, about COVID, across the podcast, and just different people in general, it's those that, like, for example, some restaurants, if they kicked out people during COVID, those workers are not coming back. They don't want to go back. If they stayed there and paid them the whole time, then they're respectful of them and they're loyal to that person. So I think that loyalty you built, like to have the foresight there to go, it's okay. Like we're going to take a loss. We might be walking places, but we'll be all right. (laughs) And I'm just saying that in a kind of way of like keeping it below the means, but it's important to realize that because otherwise we're not able to really get that commitment. And now you're seeing the prosper right now in 2021 where 99 what did you say? 99.7 or mm-hmm. 97%? 99%. 99%. Yeah. Literally almost hundred percent. Who does that? Who does right. like, <laughs> that's, that's incredible to see, but it's because of your investment in them, quote unquote. Um, yeah. And then just the in other life, thing was, in life in yeah. general, I just, I want to hit on this over and over. Like if we're going to play this long game of life, yeah. then we should expect there's going to be lots of ups and downs. And if yeah. the down is simply that we don't make money for a short period of time, that's not a real down, right? A yeah. real down is the building burns down, I get hit by a car, what you know, there's real problems that can happen that are long-term yeah. major issues, but if we just simply have to have some conversations about how to get through a tough time, it's not really that hard. Yeah, and I think that's a great perspective uh for myself. I have, there's no bad days unless someone close to you passes away or yourself. Because if you really take it in that perspective, then it's like, okay, this business deal didn't happen. This real, like my place isn't, is vacant. Who cares? You're like, who can't, you're looking for problems. Right. You don't need to look for problems. I can be super mad about this thousand square feet that's not filled, or I can look at it and be so grateful for everything that is filled, right? There's always... There's always going to be another level, another level, another level. And whenever you hit that level, then the, you know, all you're done, all you do is get reminded that there's another level even past that. So why not sit back and enjoy 
the fact that we are in this exact spot right now. I know for a fact that 10 years ago, I wished on my hope, on my hands and knees that I could be to a point where I didn't have to go into a store seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Guess what? Hopes and prayers only go so far. Going and actually doing it makes it so you don't have to do it. I, I, I think that's a, just a brilliant point because a lot of us always second guess how far we are along or how where we are today and we wish we were further or whatever it is. But we don't realize that 10 years ago, if you think about it, this is way further than you ever thought you'd be in that moment. And you're like, why didn't I think bigger? God, you know what I mean? Um, And and that's exactly how I set up my stuff. But like people think I'm joking when I say for the last like 11 or 12 years, the first of every month, I've calculated my net worth. Now, the reason why I did this, and I mean, I have notes to myself from 12 years ago, every month on the month. Okay. Now, why did I do this? 12 years ago, I work 80 hours a week for an entire month. And at the end of it, I might have 200 bucks more in my bank account. Okay. Like (laughs) it wasn't like we were just raking in money and all this, right? We're expanding the business. We're hiring more people. We're taking it where, you know, I take a loan out, I buy something, we buy a rent, you know, whatever it might be. And so it was really tough for me at the end of certain months, I would have borderline mental breakdowns, right? I'm not sleeping. I'm eating terribly. I feel like I'm working all all these hours and I feel like I'm not making progress. But when I started tracking my actual dollars in, dollars out every single month, what I realized was, hey, you know what? Last month I made my house payment and that brought down my mortgage by a thousand bucks. And I paid off this loan on this building and that went down a thousand and this was 500 and this was 200 and that was a hundred. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, so this month I increased my net worth by 1.2%. Well, what happens if I do that every month for the next five years? And I would, I would go on moneychimp.com and just, or create an Excel thing that was like, yeah. if I can increase my net worth. And so then I would start setting a goal, right? Well, then large yeah. numbers come into effect, right? If you have a million dollar net worth with the goal of increasing your net worth every month by 1%, then you need to add 10 grand a month. The second you get to two, three, four million, if you want to do the same 1%, you got to make 20, 30, 40 grand a month. So then you have to start figuring out creative ways to get more dollars to work, to hit that same goal. And the only way to do it is not to go work more, right? You have to find other people and other opportunities that can get those dollars to work so that then they can be making money to add to your goals. And from there, it's just a financial equation, right? And so I would, I would, I would, my goal might've been 1%, but I would shoot for 2% or one and a half. What are things that I could change this month to get an extra 0.1%, knowing that if over the next five years, I got 0.1% every single month more, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars in the long term, right? And yeah. so it is the small changes mixed with compound interest over a long period. And then just explaining, like when you when you map it out dollar by dollar and line by line, it's never a surprise. I have a spreadsheet yeah. right now that I can log in. It's like, it's going to tell me where I'm going to be in 55 or 60 assuming I don't do anything different. Now, of course, I'm going to do stuff different. I'm going to go try more things. It's not going to be a straight line up, right? There's last year that dips and then there's this year that's yeah. a little higher and all this. But consistently over a long period of time, if you work it out, you shouldn't be surprised. And I think the problem yeah. is so many people are told, put your 3% in your 401k, your employer will match this. If you do exactly this, here's exactly how much you'll have on this date. And they're told, okay, cool. Really? 
Maybe, yeah. Have you have you gone in there and read like, hey, I'm getting eight percent, but they're taking two of it. So wait a minute, I'm not actually getting eight percent. Wait a minute, here's their time frame. Here's their assumptions. Like, are we really sure that over the next thirty years the stock market is going to go straight up? Are we really sure over the next period of time that this is going to do this? I don't want to take that gamble. I don't want my end game to be a gamble. And so I started just finding other opportunities that made it so I had more control over where my dollars went and more control over where those dollars, the return on those dollars came from. Yeah. Yeah. That is so pivotal right there where you're talking about measuring and monitoring your net worth. I do it through uh, this. There's an app called personal cap Mm -hmm. and you log in the app, you put all your numbers in there. You can update some of them manually, whatever it is. But once you can see it, then you feel like you're growing because you are spot on. You could be in the city, you could have the same store for a year and you're like, dude, nothing changed, man. Like this sucks. Right. Or you, like, you need to see growth. Even with the podcast, it's like, Hey, we did 55 episodes, 56, 50, like whatever it is, you got to push it forward. And that measuring there is so pivotal. And then the fact that you question everything, it's, it's so important, so important to question what they've been telling us because how many 70 or 80-year-olds do you look at and talk to that are like, man, I wish I did this differently. I'm not happy about this. The problem is you're not talking to 70 and 80-year-olds. You got to be talking to the right people. Like, right. Yeah. You got to make I mean, sure at that this happens. Age, at this age, everyone's, you know, they get the raise and they instantly go buy the vehicle. They get this and then the problem is those decisions have consequence. And I'm not saying don't live life, okay? Like one of my favorite books that be, that's behind me is from Bill Perkins called Die With Zero, where the entire intent is if you work your whole life to build up a dollar amount and you die, you've essentially traded your time for money and never gotten your money back for experiences, right? So yeah. for me, it's this balance of being able to create a life that allows me to do what I want to do use dollars in a way that I want to, but not be a slave to, to having to go into that job every single day and do that, right? Because all of our goals, even every single one of my employees that works for me, my goal is that they understand how to not work for me anymore, right? I mean, that's that is, yeah. it's true because if every single one of my employees just feels like all I'm trying to do is get margin out of them for the rest of their life, no. Whereas when my store leaders, I'll take them to business school with me. We'll go through exactly how food costs are, what prime is, how to, how to monitor labor, how to go through scheduling, how to look at these expenses, how to go out and get into your community, make a few more friends, what that means to the business. If I can have people understand all of that stuff, they're going to be better for my company. And whether they choose to stay or they choose to go, in the time that they're there, they're making the company better rather than just you know, doing the minimum to get by. And over time, again, that compounds. Everything compounds. Well, Good well, decisions compound. Yeah. And I, I just want to note that it's not even the company. Like the company is important. Yes, that's being helped. But let's say a thousand people go through your company. Okay. They're all going off and they're telling their kids, like the impact that Justin Sloan has is much bigger than we talked to this one, we took this one person in business school because it's now everyone, did you hear what Justin told me about? Like, you know what I mean? Your impact is exponentially greater. It, I, I, no, I mean, it's awesome when you really think about it. 
I, so I hope you're right. I like, again, I, I have the one person, my economics high school teacher, that he got it to click for me. Um, and I did, I had the privilege a couple of years ago to take him out to lunch and to pay that lunch bill and to like say thank you and to have those conversations and to donate to something that was important to him and and realize that that impact. And like, if, if I get to the end of this game and one person says to me, like, hey, this conversation or this part clicked. And because of that, I was able to spend more time with my family or go on this experience or create this business or help these people, whatever it is, we just need to have more conversations like that, right? We need to have yeah. more conversations that question this single file line of everybody does the same thing and hopes for the same result. I mean, I have so many friends that are financial advisors that go and all day long, they tell people how to go get 8% that they'll never see. And I'm sitting here like, why don't you do that? You know, like there's so many investments out there that you can cash flow 8% on while getting other equity that you can see later, but they don't want to talk about any of that kind of stuff because they don't get fees on it. Right. And so the way the world works is intent making people go through a specific system because everybody in that system makes money along the way, right? Yeah. The employer does, the person does, the person put the plan together does. All of this works perfectly until someone shakes the tree, right? And, and that's exactly what people need to do. You need to realize that there's not one way to do this. There's not yeah. one way to get to the end. You get to form your own path. The path that I'm forming right now is we are shooting so far for the stars. And I mean so far for the stars that I hope we land on the moon. Yeah. I, I, because just, it is. Yeah, if, I, if I position myself to grow at 40% every year, on the years that I only grow at 20 or 25%, I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, yes. Right? Because a bad year then is still an astronomically good year. And so when you build the business to be extra, to do more, to grow higher than you ever think, even if it doesn't hit those numbers, who cares? Yeah. If I, if I try and grow at 30 and I only grow at 12, I still grew at 12%. If I can grow at 12% every year for the rest of my life, it's stupid. And so it, that's where it gets fun, right? That's where we can go. But through that comes more investments, more jobs, more business openings, like the the hard work of the last 12 years is just to the point right now where if I want to go open another retail store and hire 10 more people and serve some amazing acai bowls, great. If I want to go do this or fund this company or help this grow over here, great. And so it becomes a tool that then we get to use to go change and make things different in the way that I want to. You know, I mean, yeah. Everbowl, I was never let, like, let, yeah, let's let, talk let's Everbowl. Let's yeah, let's dive into that because I wanted to talk about that's definitely on the list as well. So you as Sloan Capital, uh, I'm reading the article. I think it was franchise.com franchise uh, that it went out, franchisetimes.com. And uh, I'm looking at it and I'm reading it. And it, <laughs> you talk about this moment about how you met Jeff. Jeff's the founder of Everbowl. We did a podcast a couple ago. So you can check that out if you want to learn about that concept. But what Justin did is, he went out there visiting him in San Diego. And then you said in there that you're like, I just signed up for a full-time job. And I, I read it and I'm like, this guy retired. Why, why, what was the thought? Like what, what was it that happened there that really start from the beginning that really drew your attention to Jeff and then the whole concept. 
Sure. Um, so much like I did in real estate, I, I started creating ways that deal flows would come through me, right? Position myself in a way that it's like, hey, I like real estate. Here's real estate. Everyone in my town would call me every time they had a real estate problem. And so I kind of started doing the same thing in venture. I started talking with people and sitting in rooms where they were raising dollars. You know, I got, you know, on AngelList and all these different places that have a lot of venture stuff. And I just started reading and absorbing. And over the last few years, I mean, almost every day I get an email with some sort of company that's raising something. Right. And so if you see 365 opportunities a year, um, two days ago, we funded our fourth company this year. Right. So I'm funding 1% of stuff that we're seeing. But the beauty in that is when you see something really good, it stands out. Uh, and that was yeah. ever cool. So I went to this conference. Uh, Jeff was speaking and talking. We uh, we rented out the Diamondback Stadium in uh, Arizona. And we're like oh, hitting incredible. on the field with players. And they set up an Everbowl. And I'm sitting there eating this thing. And again, like I never went there. I When I flew in there, I had no idea what Everbowl was. I had no <laughs> idea this concept. But I sat there and I ate this thing. And I talked with Jeff. And I'm like, this is like really interesting, right? Because this is what I want to eat. I come from a place where it's all burgers and fries and fast food. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, this is the kind of food that I want to be available. I don't want to walk into a Subway sandwiches. I want to walk into this. And so my intent was to invest in the company. And I started having conversations and like within 10 days or whatever, I flew out to San Diego with the intent of spending a couple of days there and going and seeing a lot of the stores and understanding the business concept. Because of my background in real estate, there's probably some ways that I could have uh, helped in, in helping them find new locations or analyze their existing locations. We just thought, hey, let's get into a room and see where there's an opportunity. When I started going around to the stores and talking with the customers and seeing the reactions of people that eat this, and then I ate it for a few days in a row. And I was like, wait a minute, like I'm, I feel better. Like I have more energy, like I'm sleeping better. And I was like, wow, I, I really want this. So it literally just started hammering down a conversation with like, how do we do this? Where's our best chances of opportunity? Where's, where's the next phase of growth? You know, and that company is growing at such a rate that by, by buying a territory like I did, it allows me to go activate that while they can focus on the other 49 states. And we're creating a partnership that is essentially just allowing more people to come into the Everbowl family. And so I opened my first store there about a month ago, which is great because it shows proof of concept. We have two more in the works. Um, and then, you know, the phone, uh, there's already like a hundred and some people from all over the state of Texas that are reaching out and want to uh, open their own locations as well. And that yeah. was my goal, right? My goal was to show people as much as I could this ridiculous opportunity with, with so many great things, right? You're, you're, it's a business where you're creating jobs my employees are like, they're, they're getting to smile and, and be friendly with customers and they're not getting burned by grease traps and fryers and all this. And we're serving things that are making people better, right? If we can take people who have 21 meal choices a week and get them to change one or two or three of those into something that's natural and vegan and makes you feel better. Like there's so many layers to this business that are opportunistic, right? It's fun to create jobs. It's fun to do something you're proud of. It's fun to make money. It's fun to expand. It's fun to do stuff. And this was one that just, I was all in. So yeah, I bought myself yeah. a job. And, and that's what <laughs> I like. And the majority of the stuff that I do around, you know, yes, we still make investments in other companies, but that's a passive thing, right? You know, and so when an opportunity where you have real value to add and it's so passionate about something like this, I can't, you know, every time that we sign another lease, 
or I'm on the phone with a franchise or whatever it might be, it's incredibly opportunistic to, to have people see these opportunities. And, and some people think I'm going to open every single store in Texas myself. Absolutely so, not. So uh, just, I, I can feel your excitement and I love it, but I, I just want to <laughs> let the audience know. So what Justin did is his Sloan Capital bought the right for 50 of them, 50 Everbowls in the yeah, state so, of Texas. Yeah. So essentially I bought the rights to the first 50 locations that will be open in the state of Texas which means that I can open them myself or I can also sell them off to others who might be interested. Uh, and so again, I'm kind of strategically planning the activation of Texas and what we do per market and who we're gonna be owning and operating the stores. And again, building out an entire family of, of people that all collectively will own businesses that have the same goal, right? And the state of Texas is huge. You know, This whole idea that one person needs to own this and one needs to do this or no, like, Dallas is a hundred miles across alone. Like when you start thinking of, of scale in an environment like Texas, the opportunities are incredible. We can have hundreds of these things across that state. I love it. I, I love uh, seeing your vision, your excitement for it. And because I, I was questioning it in the beginning, I was like, why would this guy buy Jeff's? Like, it didn't make sense to me. And then as we kind of dove deeper, I was like, Texas is a big state. These are really healthy things. And are these accessible in Texas at the, like, you know, like you start to see the little pictures and it all come together and you're like, wow, there is something pretty amazing here. Yeah. Um, the, the goal here is, you know, can we become the brand? Can we yeah. become the brand of healthy eating? Can we become the yeah. brand that people think of, you know, in the same way people have a burger brand or a taco brand or a chicken brand, can we become yeah. a healthy food brand and make it fun, right? It shouldn't be painful to eat. You shouldn't walk in and have a $17 salad that's tasteless and, you know, you don't even know what you ate after and all that. Like there, there can be different ways of doing this and the quality of the ingredients, the way that they make it, the experience when you go in there, the looks of the stores, it just makes me think that we could actually change human eating at scale by just simply being friend and friendly and making it fun. Right. And, yeah. And that's an even bigger thing because obesity is a massive issue going on in America. And if this can combat it just a little bit, like you said, it's just one meal, two meals, three meals a week. Now your whole lifestyle is changing and it, it, it really is some powerful stuff. And for you, so I was reading about it. You, you're all about the, uh, the shared economy. What, what do you mean by that? Like, I know you've given some examples throughout the podcast, but I noticed that uh, when I was researching you. So what, what do you mean by the shared economy? We can get more done. What do you mean by all that? So I think that it's really easy for everybody to just, they want to go win at the expense of other people. Um, and I used to be this way. Okay. I mean, bad. Uh, we used to throw parties when we would put our competitors out of business and cell phones. I mean, we would literally throw <laughs> parties for our staff because we, you know, we did enough sales that some other people couldn't have business, you know, and that's not a great way to grow communities. Right. And so the way I look at it now is, you know, with Everbowl, I could do it all myself. I could buckle down. I could do this. 
Or I can create all of these other advocates, tell people this story, make them part of it, and we can all win together. Okay. What's better, me going out there on a podcast like this saying, hey, Texas is great, Everbowl is great, or finding 40 other owners that are like me, figuring out the way that I can provide value to them, whether it be through real estate, through construction, through business operations, and maybe they need nothing other than just to sign the form and go, they're good to go. But if I can, if I can build this entire advocate system in all of my different businesses, now it makes it so that we're collectively changing, right? It's not one person going and trying to make the change. It's hundreds. And, and that's where you really get things done, right? It's, it's hard to go make a lot of difference one person at a time. But if I can go help one person understand and they go help another and they go help another while I go help another, all of a sudden it spreads like wildfire. And it's not just about money. You know, in this business, it's absolutely lucrative. People are making really good dollars, but there's also other implications, right? Think about what changes in our world when the average population starts consuming things that give them energy and make them feel good and want to make them be active, right? How does that change workflow? How how do I feel if at one o'clock I slam a cheeseburger and fries and, you know, how do I feel at three o'clock and four o'clock and five o'clock? How does that affect my work? And so I really look at this as something that is so much bigger than a quick way to shove some fruit at somebody and more so an opportunity to take every employee, every customer and welcome them in in the same way that they'd be welcome into their favorite bar where they'd get their favorite beer. Why can't they walk into their favorite quick serve place, fuel themselves with something that makes them better and healthier, and then go on with their day that much better than when they left? The obesity thing is terrifying. I mean, I used to be a lot heavier than I am right now. And it's access to good quality ingredients in a way that is fun and accessible. You know, if I could have two clicks right now and a Everbowl shows up at my house, that would be like, that's so much different than two clicks and, you know, fried food shows up. Right. And so every, every week, like you said, I make two choices and I go from 1200 calories to 500 calories what does that do? You know, and I, I think that people don't understand the app, you know, if you want to start talking compound interest, <laughs> if I go from 1200 calories to 500, seven, I save 700 calories and I do that twice a week, that's a half a pound a week by making two small decisions, right? Now, if I go for a 20 minute walk, that's another this, that's another this. Over the course of the next six months, I've lost 15 pounds, 20 pounds just by making one, two little decisions here and there, and by us really working hard to put these in available places for everywhere so that you don't have to choose between health, convenience, taste, et cetera, right? Yeah, I, trust me, I, am, I, I, I like the idea a lot. I think it's gonna be pretty awesome, and pretty amazing. And if you guys haven't, or if you're in the Dallas area, and hopefully others soon to be, uh, you definitely got to check out Everbowl. So um, one last thing regarding you, you mentioned about actually two more things because uh, I'm enjoying the conversation. You mentioned about a lifelong learner. What is, what does that mean to you? What, what's, what's that all about? Cause don't uh, we being, learn? Yeah. Being wrong, learn? As much, being wrong as much as possible. Yeah. Right. And so whether it's making an investment into a company, hiring someone, opening a store, whatever it is, I don't care if I'm wrong. Right. 
if, if I'm going to play this game for 30 more years or for however long I decide I want to play it, who cares if we're wrong short term? Like, what's, yeah. like if I opened this business and it flopped and it failed and every, like if it went to zero, who cares? Right. Would there be rebuilding? Would it hurt? Would there be? Yes. But in this long game, if not trying is so much worse than having something fail. And so the lifelong learner thing for me is whatever that I do, I want to make sure that there's something to be learned from it. If I'm right, how do we learn? If I'm wrong, how do we learn? Same thing with our staff. How do we teach them that there's not mistakes, right? It's easy for my staff that's been open in a store for a month to wish a lot of things to be better, but, you know, or, hey, we need this and we need this and we need this to do, but okay, what are, what are the good things? What are the opportune things? What are the things that we've done wrong that now we're doing right? What happens when we make those decisions for the next three, you know, long period of time? And so it gets, it's really fun for me from a learning kind of standpoint to just be like, cool, I was wrong. Okay. You know, I mean, so many people just don't want to be wrong. And I'm sitting here like screaming at the top of my lungs on stuff that I mess up on. Because again, that's how we get better. If all we do is never talk about what we do right or what we do wrong, we stay in this little lane moving towards this little goal. Whereas, you know, I mean, again, the, the group of people that I'm around and that I surround myself with, we literally get in rooms and go around the table of the biggest issue in our business at that moment. Multiple times yeah. a year, we get into a room and we talk about exactly what the hardest part is. Exactly, you know, it can be the lawsuit, it can be the employee thing, it could be this, it could be anything. And we're going to talk about the hardest thing that there is because then we get better. Yeah, I, I it, you brought up a bunch of stuff, but I, I think it's spot on because. I think it's more of a ego thing where you're attached to the outcome. And if you're wrong, you think, Oh my God, I wasted time. It wasn't worth it. All of that stuff. And then the other point you brought up is being in a room with others that aren't in your business or might be kind of in your business, but they can give you outside perspective and counsel in in a very unbiased way because they don't really, it's just, Hey, I like you, Justin. I want to help you. And that's what it is. Like, and you do that for other people too. So I wanted, yeah, you go. Well, I was just going to, it's super important to network with people that that genuinely just want the best for you. Okay. If you're in a small networking group, let's say you're a realtor and you're networking with other realtors, are you really going to benefit? Because what happens in those kind of scenarios is everyone wants everyone else to do well, as long as you don't do better than them. Okay. That is a painful, painful path to go down because you can't get out of that, right? You're just constantly in this circle. If you start doing really well, they're going to make you second guess yourself. When you get into a room where everybody just wants each other to win and you know that no matter how much you win, you're not going to win as much as the lady over there or the guy over here or the person. Like you just know you're in a room where it doesn't, it's not about winning yourself. It's about winning collectively. It's powerful. It really is. It's cool to get to the point where you have people around you where you say this, I'm really struggling with, I don't understand this because I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had issues for three, six, nine months. And I'm in one conversation. I just start telling people what's wrong and they're like, Oh, do this fixed. Yeah. Yeah. It provides, it's such a perspective changer. And most people don't ever get to that point and they, they tend to miss out on it. That's why I, I actually have a Monday night group where I meet with the people and we're all from different businesses. 
and we do these different things, but it allows us to all get those other perspectives, uh, which is super powerful. Um, and then the last thing I want to get to is you talk about having fun and like having a lot of fun doing your travels and doing your different stuff. So what is that for you? Like what, what makes, what is fun for you and what, what's something you look forward to? <laughs> um, it's all right. I hear you. What kind of dog you got? Yeah. So Banks is in the background. I don't know if somebody's delivering something. The, the one big perk of working from home is hanging out with my dog. The negative perk is when somebody delivers a package or something right now. So, uh, you know, it is compared to the alternative of going into an office. I'll take this. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. So this, what you're witnessing right now with my dog backing on barking in the background, like this is my highlight reel in a, yeah. in a weird way, shape or form. Like the annoying thing of my dog barking on a zoom is the coolest part about my life right because i get to i'm home and i'm hanging out with my dog right now and when i'm off this i might go take him for a walk and then i'll hop on a couple other calls to move some things forward and that's just exciting and fun and it's it's cool to build a life where i get to do the things that i want to and be around the people that i want to and go to the places that i want to and it's just part of business and yeah. like right now it doesn't feel like work it feels like we're just talking about cool ways that you know other people can grow and that we can provide opportunities for others. And when my entire life is kind of built that way, right? Everyone I hang around, we're talking about how do we help their business? How do they help mine? How do we yeah. do this? Hey, here's this problem. How do we fix that? And you just mesh them together to the point where it's it's so much fun. I love it. And it, and also that that ability to just be very open and be uh, available. I appreciate that. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. Justin, where can people find you? Where can they hear more about Everbowl? If they want to hear about Sloan Capital, where can they reach you? Yeah, so I just started doing the whole Instagram thing recently, earlier this year, created one, putting some time behind some content, trying to, again, just tell people what we're doing and, and, and trying to create uh, more yeah. opportunities for others. So Sloan Capital on Instagram, Sloan-Capital is our website. Feel free to reach out through there. Um, but I do. I love to connect with different people. I love to create relationships in any way that if I can provide value um, and, uh, and I love it. I appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.